Hello there and welcome to another episode of Kids Media Club podcast and this is our second round table chat on what's happening in kids media right now. I'm your host Andy Williams. I'm Joe Redfern and once again we're here with Emily. Hi Emily. Hi guys, my name's Emily Horgan. I'm an independent kids media consultant with a speciality in streaming. Um, so we thought we'd kick off this time around by talking about Brand Licensing Europe, which happened at Excel uh, last, was it last week or the week before? Who knows? Time's lost all meaning. Um, but we all three attended in person, which was quite nice to be able to meet up. So um, it's, it's where the great and the good of uh, anyone with brands that they license meet up, certainly uh, this side of the pond on an annual basis. Andy, it was your first time uh, going to BLE. What did you think of it? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's always fun to meet up with the, um, with the characters, especially, and get <laughs> selfies with Peppa Pig. Um, and uh, yeah, it was good. I, I thought it was good. I didn't have anything to, to compare it to because it was the first one I'd been to. How did it compare to other ones that you guys had been to before? I mean, I think it was just, I think, I think events at, at large in the industry are, are quite joyous, This, at least in that phase of like, we're all back together, this is so great. Um, I always think you can tell a good bit by, because the investment that brands make in brand licensing is very visually clear, you know, in terms of the, the space that they take up, the, the size of the stand and stuff like that. Um, so two things that I thought were interesting was I thought I thought actually Paramount seemed to be running a really really hot operation there. Um, mm. What was they had the tagline where franchises are Paramount, which you know like hats off to whoever wrote that one. That's that's <laughs> quite that's quite you know it's cheesy, but it is like it does it does the job so well done. Um, so that one and, and definitely their presence of their car- costume characters seemed to be like you know very much there, and they were very at the front. Right, they were like. You walk in. The other one I thought that was funny, was interesting was, you know, Warner Media had a, 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 the same size type stand there too, um, which uh, obviously it's obvious. Yeah, they're a big, they're a big massive media, media corporate. But, you know, with where they're at in terms of kids content on streaming with some of the recent self-immolation of, 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 of series distribution, I thought it just it just made me go, huh? Hmm. OK. Uh, I guess they're, you know, they, they're, they're invested because the stand that they had was, was huge. And um, yeah, very much a, a statement on, on being in the franchise business for kids. So mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. What did you think, Joe? Um, you know, I mean, it's still much smaller than it used to be pre-pandemic. I think last year certainly felt very um, sotto, kind of quiet, subdued, but I, but... I did pick up a, a buzz that had returned this time, which was which was good to see. What's interesting is, you know, you know, very little new new as you walked around. You know, it was the same same candidates, the same brands there. You know, slightly evolved and moved ahead, but very little new new that um, smacked me between the eyes. You know, Moonbog, given its stellar growth over the last few years, obviously their presence bigger than ever uh, and and cemented you know what a force they are to be reckoned with in terms of growing franchises and obviously having grown primarily Coco Melon and and Blippi as franchises on on YouTube that was great to see you know that's front and center center for me the other thing that I picked up was anime 
Um, so obviously that's something we've talked about on the podcast before about it, it, its growing popularity amongst young audiences. Crunchyroll stand, I, saw, I noticed there, was nice and, and busy, but I could see that kind of trend and that aesthetic beginning to bleed into other franchises. So again, that would, you know, that would have been my tip actually is the trend is that kind of anime and, and manga aesthetic being adopted more and more by um, more Western franchise brands, if you like. Uh, and the other thing to point out that I think was interesting to me is, you know, you don't often see a retailer at this kind of show, but we saw Primark there. Now, we know Primark is doing huge business on licensed ranges. You know, they, they've done great stuff with Sesame in the past. I don't know if you've seen any of the Greg's licensed merch in Primark, but it is white hot. I mean, there's a, a, a good secondary market going on for um, particularly the Greg's bucket hat and sliders, I believe. Um, so they can do great business on licensed clothing, but also they come in for a lot of stick, Primark, for fast fashion, uh, their sustainability credentials. So the fact that Primark were there showcasing a lot of their Disney licensed product um, but actually pushing the sustainability angle was something that I thought was really interesting and something that I think we'll see more of from retailers and licensees together. The big characters there are characters that have been around for sometimes decades mm -hmm. and you and how long it takes to grow a, a really a really kind of powerful kids franchise brand really. Yeah, I was obviously immediately Googling the Greggs collab because we don't I get that in Ireland, so I missed it. <laughs> it's stunning. My kids' friends were going nuts about it. I mean, they mine weren't bothered, but there were messages on local Facebook groups asking if anyone knew which Primark store had got the Greggs sliders and the bucket hats in because oh all the kids wanted them. I mean, yeah, That's crazy. amazing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, going back to the characters, you know, it was, it was great to catch up with my old mate Spongebob, you know, he's always there. But um, it's funny, you know, having seen Coco Melon's JJ costume character walking around and then Peppa Pig, you realise that Pe Peppa Pig has now become the grand old dam of costume <laughs> characters. She's old enough to be his mother. <laughs> <laughs> really kind of you know stuck out to me in that you know she's a, she's a vet now is the costume <laughs> character you know you've got the uh, you've got dino ranch kind of riding around and uh, yeah and and jj from coco bell and they're the they're the pretenders Peppa pigs now you know yeah yeah um i think what you're i think your point there joe about like retailers like primark staying kind of with their finger on the pulse of what is connecting with the audience is, is really, really important. And whether that's, you know, really calling the brand right. And like having that vision and that creativity to go, we're licensing Greggs. Um, <laughs> for anybody who's based outside the UK, Greggs is a pasty shop. Uh, <laughs> just like to, I know, I know for you two, it's like part of the, the DNA of, of, of your heritage, but not necessarily everybody knows that a pasty is like a type of pastry that is filled with meat usually. So it's not necessarily the most glamorous or obvious brand you would think about um, licensing. Um, but also the thing of what you're saying about sustainability and about 
you know, that being very, like, becoming far more of a focus for consumers and stuff like that. So um, it, but the other thing that kind of reminds me of is, you know, in terms of being where the consumers are these days is Walmart launched a, a Roblox land, didn't they? They did, yes. So this is a very interesting uh, entry into the world of Roblox. Um, many brands are hoofing it towards the platform uh, in an effort to pick up new audiences. There is huge amounts of reach to be had there. Upwards of 60 million daily active users on the platform. Um, wow. a, a good quarter of those uh, under 12, uh, another good quarter of those kind of in that young person category. And going back to Primark, you know, again, you know, Primark know that, that young people are concerned about sustainability, so they were right to lean into that. They're also hanging around on Roblox in great volume. They, it's, it's the most social of platforms in that Roblox is the, you know, you can spawn your friend right next to you. So if you're in an experience and you're having fun, you can bring your friends along. You know, you can hang out with them. Um, and it does make it a really compelling space for brands. But much like YouTube in the early days, it's very easy to, to get it wrong on Roblox. Um, it's a very specific type of platform in that it's um, much more about casual gaming. It's less about mission-driven games. There are mission-driven games on there, but it's about hanging out with your friends, doing stuff together, and in a lot of instances, just walking around, doing things, picking things up, dressing up your avatar. Um, so it's it kind of passive in a way, Joe. Is it like you know, it's it's that space. It's it's like it's it's more of a hangout space. Near, well, sorry, you, and set me right on this. It's like a hangout space as opposed to necessarily a gaming space where you can be like passive, like dressing your avatar, mooching around, going on whatever, but also then messaging your friends at the same time and just having the chats Absolutely. and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I would say it's more it's more social media than a lot of traditional social media channels if you think about it that way. In terms of yeah. hanging out with your friends uh, and doing stuff together on the platform, you know, I, I think I, I forget exactly the minutes, but you know, TikTok, Instagram, they take 40 minutes on average of a, of a, of a kid's day. But if you're on Roblox, it's 60 odd minutes. You know, it, it's even wow. more. So actually, it feels more social than a lot of the social media channels that we we talk about when we talk about TikTok and Instagram. And how does it split in terms of? Um, girls and boys on the platform? Uh, oh, gosh, I don't know. But I do know it attracts many more girls than more traditional console-based gaming. That's um, You know, there are 40 million, in fact, even more experiences on the platform. Um, but again, there's a lot of, of experiences that... Because girls are social, inherently social in terms of, you know, they like hanging out in those spaces. They don't necessarily like doing a first-person shooter game, you know, but they, they will go and, and hang out. But there are some brilliantly innovative kind of games on there where you can just go, you know, Fashion Famous is one that's really cool. You go and style your avatar and then you get judged on it. You know, it's just really innovative games that really tap into the kind of behaviours that kids... You know, it mirrors real-world play more accurately. Yeah, yeah. Than what, what, what are the brands... What are the big brands that are on Roblox that have got it right? Be, non-native brands. 
Yeah. Are you talking about non-native Roblox pets? Well, do you know, I think um, M- MGA, so LOL Surprise, they were very early onto the platform and I think they really nailed it and they've grown a, a really good following on there. And from what I gather, it, they now consider it one of their main platforms to grow demand for their products. They launch new products on there. We know a lot of the toy companies um, are on there. There's brands like Bakugan, which you might have seen in recent times have actually um, rolled out 100 episodes of the Bakugan TV series and are showing them within the Roblox experience. So again, we've got this, this clash of showing content, but being able to run around and engage with the brand and do stuff. You know, used to be that you had your Roblox and your YouTube channel and you tried to bounce your users and viewers and, and players between the two. Now actually that you can come together and you can show your content within the platform. That's wow. interesting. And it feels like there's a space for Roblox to be used a bit like Netflix are using YouTube as a discovery tool to to market and promote the content on on their on Netflix's own site that mm-hmm. you can use Roblox to drive eyeballs back to back to your own channels potentially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and again from from a, a franchise point of view, you know, you think about building demand for toy and consumer products. Well if you can get them engaged in your brand and you've got content you, you're essentially giving them a virtual sandbox to go and play in with virtual versions of the toys. If you can get them in early, then almost, you know, you are seeding demand from day one for, for future consumer products. And I think a lot, a lot of the big brand owners and toy companies particularly were early in, in jumping on that. Jazzwares were, um, Jazzwares took the master toy license for Roblox as a platform I think four or five years ago. So they were really ahead of the game. And Jazzwares are the master toy licensee for a lot of the big native Roblox brands. Um, So they were really forward thinking. And now, of course, it's flipped the other way. And you've got big brands like Adopt Me and Brookhaven that are... You know, have, have attracted billions and billions of visits. They're now sounding their own master toy deals and content deals, such as, you know, it's now a hunting ground for new franchises. You know? I think it's so exciting to think about it as, like, where YouTube was 10 years ago, you know, that there's this, like, fertile ground of IP being developed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, think think of where, you know, Coco Melon was at, you know, 10 years ago or Little Baby Bum was at t- 10 years ago or, you know, all of that. Yeah. It's just... It, it's going to be really fascinating to see that emerge in the next few years. And, and much like YouTube, and there are many parallels with, with YouTube, you know, five, ten years ago, as you said, you know, Roblox is a hungry beast, much like YouTube is. So one thing that I've learned, if anything, over the last 12 months of being immersed in this platform is, you know, the whole platform updates every Wednesday. The whole of Roblox updates. And unless your experience on that platform has something new on it, if not every week, every other week, then you will lose your users. You know, retention is everything. And actually, they know and expect new, new all the time, whether it's new cosmetics in the shop, new skins, new mods, new levels. It's got to be updated. Now, you know, of course, there are going to be brands that will launch an experience on the platform just because they want the PR. They want, you know... (laughs) <laughs> the journalists to write about it, you know, it's Gucci and it's two weeks and actually then they'll they'll leave it alone until they've got the next big 
runway. So they can put on their slide deck at the end of the year that they did Roblox. Sure. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and I've, heard, I've heard them called Adva Games, and actually it's a really good term for them because they are Adva Games, actually. They're Game tutorials. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a whole new raft of terminology that's going to yeah, come out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but you know what? You know, they do a job for that brand, but actually they are short-term games or whatever we call them. But then, yeah. you know, if we're talking in terms of franchises, it's a long, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. So Can I put something that, that to you? That sometimes strikes me as being that it's as much for the benefit of the press for them to say, we've done Roblox, and then hope Tick. that nobody actually, yeah, nobody actually goes on the site to check it out themselves. Yeah, definitely. Can I put something to you, Joe? Um, so you, the Wednesday update thing is, is 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 interesting, and you've spoken about this recently. It's kind of something that's, that's emerged, that you know you've kind of pinned for me. Um, it's a user expectation thing that there needs to be something new on a Wednesday, and that's what brings users back. Is there anything? Is there anything algorithmically? within the platform that means that if you have new on your game it gets served better i'm just again thinking about the parallels with youtube but youtube the weekly upload thing is yes for users but is majorly for the algorithm on that platform is it the same parallel or is it different oh it's a really good question i'll be honest i don't know i don't know i do know that it's very recommendation driven so it's here's what your friends have been playing and then that gets surfaced on your feed. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, again, back to that social element of it. It's inherently yeah. social. So you will see recommended for you based on what your friends have been playing. So it's like, oh, okay, well, I know my friends have been over here. I need to go and check this thing out. So recommendation on what your friends are playing, uh, friends are playing is, a, is a big driver. In terms of um, updates, it's a good question. I genuinely don't know. Um, I, would, I would have a look into it. But, um, but again, you know, that new new plays into, you know, if your friends are doing it and they go, oh, there's this new cool new mode or a new character or a new thing yeah. that I want to go and buy in this game, then that gets pushed up the feed and it's like, okay, oh, well, I better go and see what they they found that's new new over there as well. So it, it's it's very social and recommendation driven from from what i can gather and yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about it isn't it because, because you know like marketing of it I, I hear a lot about marketing outside into roblox but mm. the marketing within roblox and how you kind of play that algorithmic game or how you kind of i know you can buy like roblox billboards and you know what i mean how you kind of place yourself within the platform is like to to have that success is 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 interesting to think about. Really, and it's an interesting concept and actually it gives us a nice segue into to looking at kind of content and how that feeds into it because you know if you've if we're talking about roblox experiences as a, a as part of the franchise flywheel then you need to pay mind to when you've got new content launching or you're uploading something on youtube you know we what you can do is you know you can tie new levels or new cosmetics in your roblox experience to new characters or new you know, new outfits that they wear in, in content that's launched over on YouTube or Netflix, for example. You know, you can tie tie events like new series or new characters into your Roblox experience and you can make it a very immersive experience for kids in terms of how they engage with your brand. Um, so My Little Pony has launched a, a Roblox experience this week to tie in with a new series, series launch that they've got coming up um, 
Are they on Netflix? Is it Netflix? On Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're on, it's on Netflix. Uh, they're also launching a, a podcast on Spotify too. So it's that kind of 360 degree mm-hmm. moment for My Little Pony. I mean, I think, you know, that's an interesting journey because obviously they launched, well, they launched the big, they launched their movie, I think last year. Mm, um, it was it. supposed to go to theatrical. It got COVIDed to streaming, to Netflix. Um, you know, it did, it did, it did okay. Obviously, My Little Pony is kind of a, you know, it's it's not the broadest of, um, you know, the broadest hitting kind of in terms of audience. So it's always going to be a little bit smaller because it's girls of a certain age who are going to be into it. Um, but yeah, they have that kind of three hundred and sixty approach, trying to kind of make the franchise flywheel, like you say, or the content flywheel at the very least, mm-hmm. trying to get everything to 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 push everything so well, let's see how that how that all nets out um yeah no it's it's an interesting one i mean the, the, the whether it's the audience that drive, drives the algorithm or the algorithm that drives the audience it's kind of probably a bit of both i always feel like when you're talking about use user generated platforms or open platforms like youtube or roblox they will favor you if you're if they see you pumping content into them, right? So that's the platform will go, this person is pumping stuff into me. Mm. We should, we should um, reward that because that's, you know, that's what we yeah. need. We need content. So um, yeah, yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see how, how it all kind of builds together. Um, how from did a, the, 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 the movie, movie do? Ooh. It On did. The- okay. Um, let me get my slides up. Um, it like it was it was it was a good bit it was a good bit smaller than you know say like the vivos of the world and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Where is it? Um, and Do you think the fact that it didn't it, get a theatrical did did hinder it? I think a theatrical re- release would have made it into a bigger event. Would have made it into a bigger event. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's uh, because it's got that kind of tighter audience kind of profile. It, it's always going to be a bit a bit smaller. Um, so a, a theatrical event would have definitely made it more of a kind of a broader kind of a broader catch, I would say. Mm. Um, it was it was on the lower side of the stuff that 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 hit Netflix. It wasn't in line with like a Vivo or a, a, like not a Mitchell's at all. Mm. Um, I think the Loud House movie launched around the same time. That was kind of similar. It, it kind of felt very, um, very TV, mo- like, you know, TV movie size, mm. whereas I think we've seen some of those other like direct to streaming marquee titles if you if you will kind of see we definitely have seen those have a bigger have a bigger hit whether that's because you know it'll probably partially be be because of the marketing partially be because of the kind of broader four sec four yeah. quadrant kind of uh, targeting of them i would say for, for um, me it reminded me of the barbie animated movies it didn't feel like it escaped that that kind of context really yeah, and like that's fine. It doesn't like it's great. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be. It doesn't always have to be the biggest. You know, they had some really great voice talent on the My Little Pony movie, like Vanessa Hudgens, Sophia Carson, like, um, like all really kind of like talent that's come up through that kids, the kids yeah. stable. Oh my god, I just said that <laughs> in regards to My Little Pony. Um, but you know, so like that kind of that kind of credibility. But like, it doesn't always have to be the biggest. You know, and I think Barbie. Like I take kind of take my hats off to Barbie a bit because, you know, their their brand just you know, it 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 continues and it remains and 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 they don't have like a big princess movie for example launching every other year with mm. you know like the, like like Disney have right they don't have Frozen two they don't have 
you know, they, they don't have that and they manage to keep a, a really, really great business going. I actually can't wait for the Barbie film. The Barbie yeah. live action film looks amazing. Yeah. When Ryan is Gosling that, Joe? I think we had like... script had ever read. Oh my God. Like when is, <laughs> I want to come over. Like we need to get cocktails and go see Barbie, Joe. I think that'll be really fun. Let's do it. Yeah. And just going back to Ro- <laughs> Roblox, you can actually go and wander around Barbie's dream house in Roblox. Um, they've done a really cool thing with a, a huge experience on the platform called Livetopia, and they've built Barbie's dream house in Livetopia. So you Great. can go, go and have a wander around, yes. which, again, is every little girl who ever owned a Barbie's dream house is what you wanted to do is shrink down and actually go and walk around Barbie's dream house. Or even for those of us who didn't own one and just really, really, really wanted one, <laughs> right? Like, you can go and do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> That, that also feels like an experience that really does um, do what you were saying about having a place to hang out and gives you, gives you a real reward to kind of go there. That oh, yeah, great. for sure. I mean, you know, it, sound, it sounds a little bit kind of like stating the bleeding obvious, but actually I think sometimes <laughs> it's forgotten. You know, the best things on Roblox work because they tap into the fundamentals of play and human behavior and what you want to do. And if you can find that and you can find a parallel with your brand and you can put the two together, that's what's gonna work, which is unfortunately what Walmart didn't do, but it's what hopefully the My Little Pony experience on Roblox does do and certainly what Barbie's Dreamhouse does within Livetopia. It, it just plays into that the fundamental behaviors of play. So um, give us your verdict on Walmart. In, in Roblox show, go on. <laughs> well, aside from um, hearing the term virch, virtual. Oh, no, oh, stop it. Stop already. Stop already. Stop there. You and I cringe, I know that. Virtual merch, virch. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> so let's not talk about virch ever again. Um, it just, it, it left me felt feeling very underwhelmed. You know, again, it, it was, you know, what do you, one, does any, I mean, I know Roblox is trying to age up and it has got a, a very broad profile, but certainly for for younger players, you know, who really wants to just go out and, and hang around in a Walmart in your downtime? <laughs> not, not many people. Um, so I can kind of get why they wanted to make it a bit more interesting, but a lot of the stuff didn't have much to do with, you know, what your experience of the Walmart brand is. You know, it could, you know, I was saying this before we started recording, you know, who hasn't secretly dreamt of running up and down a supermarket aisle, pulling everything off the shelves, you know, seeing what's behind it. Is there stuff hidden behind it? Are there secret tunnels behind those shelves? You know, you could have had crazy fun that um, that chimed with the Walmart brand or even put it, you know, tongue firmly in its cheek to, to do that. But actually creating a monorail around a land to electric land where you could go and, you know, look at some new headphones or <laughs> or watch a video from a guy who created a popcorn brand. It just, you know, it, it didn't... It's as exciting as it sounds. <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm boring myself. I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> in, your, um, in your streamosphere um, newsletter or updates, um, we noticed that Lightyear has uh, taken a bit of a plummet to earth <laughs> yeah yeah no so uh, this is this is something we, we touched on this last week um it's, it's something i'm talking about a lot right now that you know the way family animated movies are 
supplying this kind of test ground for streaming versus theatrical windowing, like how, um, you know, what the impact is, you know, uh, what, what, you know, can we, can we, can we quantify it? Can we see it in results and everything like that? So um, we, I've been tracking this for the last few months, honestly, in my, my newsletter, the Kids Streamer Sphere, and the data is starting to kind of emerge for the next kind of round of like, you know, what do we see and what, what what's working? So, um, Sing 2 launched, uh, it was theatrically released around last Christmas. It launched in Pay 1 on Netflix um, uh, kind of earlier in the summer. Uh, and it really landed really, really strongly. Um, far stronger than any of the Netflix direct to streaming, the big marquee titles of the direct streaming, streaming animated movie. So at the same time, the Sea Beast launched. Um, Sing 2 has totally been beaten the CBS out like it, it, it launched really really high it also we're seeing now has maintained in like a little bit kind of like that Encanto level of like mm-hmm. ongoing consumption you know it really is lingering it, it's bubbling along it's, it is it is declining but kind of very minimally each each week so um, we, we're seeing that ongoing engagement whereas with with the, with, with the CBS it, it kind of crashed out at the top 10 um, mm-hmm. within four weeks and so the next part of that story was Lightyear. Uh, obviously, Disney uh, launched all their Pixar films in the last um, two years straight to Disney+. Plus. So we had a really clean kind of sample to look at of straight-to-streaming marquee titles. Um, a number of those um, had really great success. Luca, Turning Red, both saw really high results. And again, a really long tail of, of engagement. Um, and so, so Lightyear presented, I mean, Turning Red, I think was, it was maybe even a little bit controversial in terms of the fact that it went straight to streaming because it was March of this year. So I think people thought, no, you know, like, let's try it out in, in theatrical. And the decision was made not to. And uh, Lightyear is the first Pixar film to hit theatrical. Um, so what, what do we see on Lightyear? Obviously, the, 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 the reviews haven't been great. The, uh, the overall vibe, of, you know, from the consumer haven't, hasn't been in love with it. Um, mm. And so in terms of hitting on Disney Plus, we're, it's hard to say because, you know, the, did the theatrical window help it? I mean, it's not doing great on streaming, right? So we've seen it really has come off a cliff. It's lower than any of the other Pixar films that launched on Disney Plus. Wow. And it's crashing out more quickly. Um, compared to Sing 2, it's, the, the cliff is so, is so clearly one of them you'd, you wouldn't want to fall down or the other one you'd probably, you'd definitely pick, like, you know. Um, obviously, Disney Plus and Netflix in the US, these, these, this is all based on US Nielsen ratings where we have, where we have that visibility. Um, and in the US, Disney Plus is a lot less, pen, you know, a good bit less pe- penetrated than Netflix. But at the same time, you're just not seeing that. We know what's possible with Disney Plus when we see, when we saw what, what, what was in with Encanto. And mm. Lightyear is definitely not, is definitely falling off that quite quite severely. Um, yeah, so really it's kind of it's an it's an interesting kind of it's an interesting moment. I'm just waiting for a little bit more data to kind of put together a few thoughts on it. Because when because of my kind of feeling with Lightyear was that it came out on the cinema, and a lot of people said, "Well, this will give it a real it will do it will open well in, in the cinema." I think that was the expectation. Yeah, um, and then after it underperformed. I think everyone said, well, let's wait for the streaming. Um, it will kind of have that halo effect and it will benefit in streaming. But um, that doesn't seem to have happened either, really. Um, yeah. So it, yeah. It's kind of, it works against the whole theory that cinema release creates a halo effect. That 
than health. It does, definitely. But there's also the theory that if content sucks, it sucks. So, um, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I think it, it works against it. It's interesting. It's interesting color. Um, and I, you know, things I'm waiting to see happen now are like the bad guys hitting pay one or I think the bad guys and, 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 and minions two will hit. They're kind of like a pay 1.5 on Netflix. They're going to hit Peacock first, I think, in the US. So, but that's really low penetration. So, you know, I think all of the, all of, there's still a lot more of the story to tell. Um, yeah. If Lightyear had been, you know, I think, you know, if they'd gone with Turning Red and which a film which was, had much warmer reception, that would be interesting. You know, I think. Do you think that, do you think Turning Red would have benefited more than Lightyear did from the cinema release? Yeah, I think it would have because in terms of the awareness and stuff like that, it would have. It, I, I think it, I think it would have helped. Um, it's just you know we're at this we're at the start of this journey of like finally being able to really see like and quantify you know this much in box office, this much on streaming, and and being able to see the relationship there. So light light year coming in has definitely added color to it. It's not been like, mm. oh yeah, this is evidence that clearly supports this. It, it obviously it, it's not doing so well on streaming, but you know, so much. There, I have so many conversations about right content, wrong strategy, and you know, the odd time you come around where you go wrong content, right strategy. You know what I mean? Um, so you know, and, and it doesn't happen that often, but I think Lightyear is probably an example of that. My kind of feeling with with Buzz Lightyear versus the Turning Red situation is that. I think Turning Red would have benefited from a cinema release just because it's it's an un, it's a new it's a new um, movie it's with new characters and actually that the promotion behind a cinema release would have given that all more profile and a boost. Whereas Lightyear, it's it's very much a known quantity. Nobody is unfamiliar with Buzz Lightyear, um, so you don't get the same benefit of introducing a new character to an audience and, and, and having having that kind of promotional boost. Am I right in thinking that also Lightyear's original theatrical release was postponed because of lockdowns and COVID? Did it have a, uh, okay. a false start? I don't, I'm not sure it did, Joe. I need to check that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's Pixar kind, they had, a, they had a flip-flop with Soul and then they've kind of just stuck to, as far as I understand, their slate. Mm. Um, it's such a like the, the the trailer was so exciting. Like I had I had high hopes for like Lightyear. I was I was disappointed by it. So, um, you know, and like in terms of like that established question. I mean, the thing about theatrical is right. It's 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 box office receipts, right? You're making money in a different in a different window. And so the fact that it's come into streaming and it's it's less. You know, it's not it's not like it's not ostentatious ostentatiously less. It's not like. Um, on the absolute floor but it's definitely less than those other titles you know but it's already got you know millions of dollars hundreds of millions of dollars in its back pocket from you know box office sales so that's you know that's that's you know it, it's got that to stand to it um and you know i, I think you know it's just the fact that sing 2 has seen such great reception i'm so excited to see those other kind of films filtered through Netflix to see how how much they can do because I think we feel like with those with those, these big theatrical movies or they're not theatrical because they go through streaming but these big animated movies like Encanto like the potential of Encanto if Encanto had had like a full fat 
a full fat release because the landscape was there from a COVID point of view is, you know, it's exciting to, to, to think about that, uh, the potential for success. Lightyear just didn't, didn't reach that or meet that in my view, I would say. Agreed. Well, I think that probably um, rounds up our, our kind of discussion for today. Uh, <laughs> anything else on the table that we've gotten to, to mention? No, no from sounds me. good to me. I think that Barbie movie launches next summer, Joe. Next July. Uh, we've got a date in the diary. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Andy, you need to come along and give the uh, male perspective. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do my bit. I'll, yeah. I'll see if I can raid my wardrobe for a lot of pink. You be the grown-up dude going to see Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, great. Well, thanks very much, Emily. Um, another another great chat. We'll be back soon chewing the fat about more things in kids' media in another couple of weeks. Thanks, guys. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate this episode and subscribe to the series. It would be enormously appreciated. And thank you very much for listening. We really hope that you tune into the next episode. Bye.